What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hello, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super excited today to introduce my friend, Heather Tucker. Hi, Heather. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, Heather is enduring a snowstorm at this moment. So thank you for doing this. We'll see how, how we go. Uh, but Heather is an amazing woman. She's a certified Christian sex coach. She helps women overcome religious sexual shame, release their sexy confidence, female sexuality and empowerment into their lives and relationships. Uh, she's a two times bestselling author with her books. Damn, you weight loss plateaus <laughs> that helps women get their sexy back after having kids. <clears throat> and why doesn't my husband want me? That helps couples avoid and overcome a sexless marriage. Heather's been married to her husband, Chuck, for 21 years, during which overcame a 12-year sexless marriage. She's a mom to three boys and a first-time grandma to one grandson and one along the way, did you just say? Yeah. Yes, we actually have our first girl coming Aww. into the Tucker house. I've always wanted a girl myself, but now my one of my middle sons is having a, a girl. So yeah, we're real excited. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, so we we met on Clubhouse a couple years ago and Heather and I just resonated right away. And so we've yes. been following each other. And so I finally said, okay, let's do this. Because you have, you have an incredible story, um, which part of it I just learned about this morning. And so we're going to dive deep into all the things about sex, which in our, in our society, it's like, shh, don't talk about that. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're grown up, we're, we're grown up, um, thinking, you know, well, everybody does it, but nobody wants to talk about it. And, you know, there's, double standards and different, you know, different, yeah, different standards and beliefs around females and males and marriage and all the things. So welcome, Heather. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, I'm really excited. So I don't, I don't even know where to start, honestly, because in this topic, this topic is so um, multi-complex. It's really multi-complex. So maybe you could just, maybe you can just start by saying, what did you learn about sex as a kid? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, Which, uh, but it's true. I mean, I, we were in sex ed, obviously, you know, the, the school, my mom signed the permission slip and she let me and my sister go to the sex ed that the schools, you know, had in place. But the only thing we really talked about in school was how to not get pregnant. So they talked about all the different forms of birth control and then how to not get an STD. And they right. talked about all the different types of STDs. But outside of that, anytime I had a question, which there was several questions that came up, especially in my teen years, 
my mom was just not comfortable. I asked her, but she said, you'll find out when you get married. And that was pretty much all I got. And then when I did get married, even the first time, and I had some questions that would come up when we were in Bible study uh, or in a, uh, like a, a marriage retreat scenario where there was other married women, no one was comfortable talking about sex. And they just said, that's something that each couple has to figure out for themselves. And that was, that was it. So wow, that, that's the church. That's the church's standpoint is it, it's, uh, it's just not something that is, is comfortable. And I think because the church made it uncomfortable, then people growing up in the church, they then are raising their kids because, right. you know, not being comfortable talking about it them themselves because they never got the talk. So it's this huge generational uh, passing down of uncomfortability. And, you know, our brain, when we have questions and they don't get answered, we have to come up with an answer ourselves. That's just the way right. that our brain works. And so if we're not getting the answers from people that we love, we're just going to come up with, well, if no one wants to talk about this thing that apparently everyone's doing, it must be taboo or, or dirty, or it must be, uh, you know, maybe people, maybe people like are doing it, but they're not enjoying it. Um, you know, or that kind of a thing. So it's just a really weird, it's just weird. The Mm. whole thing is weird, (laughs) unfortunately. Well, and even, I mean, in the past several years, I've been learning so much uh, about my own sexuality. You know, I, I remember reading long time ago. I don't know if you read Our Bodies Ourselves. Mm-mm. Did you read that book? Um, I, I think I was a required reading in college for some sociology class I took or something. I can't remember. But that's where I got a lot of my education from. And because my my dad actually had the talk with me. <laughs> And a couple of years ago, I was like, do you, do you guys realize that dad had that talk with me? And my mom was like, really? I don't remember that. Like she was just, you know, she didn't remember at all. But for me, it was like, why is my dad talking to me about this? You know, it was just kind of weird. And then I had some church um, education, you know, like religious education. And we had, a, you know, a little conversation about sexuality and um, actually the the teacher was one of my brother's friend's parents. And uh, and so he answered actually a lot of questions, honestly, but because n- nobody really talks about it, I mean, we're all, and at that age, you know, you're adolescent, so everything's awkward and weird anyways. Um, <laughs> and so everybody's like, teehee, 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 right? <laughs> and, yeah, that's true. And when my kids, uh, this is, when my kids were growing up and and around that age, I said, I don't want them to feel awkward either. You know, like I felt awkward. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember my kids uh, were in this middle school and their science teacher who was pretty close to retirement and she was pretty progressive. She had all the kids like during their study of human sexuality. Um, she had all the kids in the class, thir- you know, 12, 13 year old kids yelling out penis, 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 vagina, 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 because she wanted to normalize. I mean, a lot of kids don't even grow up knowing the correct terminology, which 
Yeah, I did did teach my kids that. (laughs) And I tried to have open conversations with them. Like, this is something that adults do. Um, This is, you know, not just to procreate, because I think that's what we're taught. Like, you only have it if you procreate, if you want to have a kid. And it's like, that's not really how it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you get all the the family issues, um, especially if there's any sort of sexual abuse that happened. Um, which is also taboo and nobody talks about it. And uh, so there's so many layers and layers and layers of why it's such a complex issue. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I also <clears throat> talked to my, my sons about sex because my husband still is not comfortable. Uh-huh. So e- even with my youngest, my 18 year old, I'll, I'll talk to him all the time about stuff, you know, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't mind talking back. Cause a lot of my time, my kids are like, can you stop? Talking I mean, about he, that, mom? He, my, my youngest knows what I do for a living. I mean, they all know what I do for a living, Yeah. but my youngest is the one that's been at home while I've been doing this more so than the, the older kids. Other uh-huh. So he's the one that will hear me on clubhouse and he's the one that will hear me, uh, doing podcast interviews and leading keynote talks and talking to different industry experts and their employees and things. So he's overhearing. And a couple of times I've asked him, like, how do you, how do you feel when you hear me talking about sex? And he says, well, it's a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, that's an honest answer, of course. course. But I'm glad that you're overhearing because when you do get into a romantic partnership, you are going to be so far ahead of most men your age, because you've heard me talk about how important it is to learn about your own body and what turns you on and what gets you aroused and, and the best practices to communicate that to your lover. And you understand the importance of, uh, pleasure, not just being for the man, but very important for the female and understanding how her body works and, and learning how to ask for what pleases her so that you can then go and do those things so that both of you are walking away having full pleasure. So you're way, I, I told him you're way beyond your brothers. Yeah. You're, you're going to have, when you get into a romantic relationship, <laughs> you're going to have way better sex and communication and probably a better relationship than even your brothers have with, mm-hmm. with their girlfriends. Cause they didn't get a lot of what, what you're getting. Well, so. and, I, and I think too, with the, porn culture, you know, that's Mm. changed everything. And because I asked my kids, like, because my kids know what I do, uh, you know, when they would have their friends over, their friends will want to talk to me about all this stuff. And my kids are like, Oh, God, no, not mom, you know, (laughs) but they would say, you know, we understand because they don't want to talk to their parents because their parents aren't as open as you are. You know, like they appreciate that I'm open, even though they still don't really necessarily want to talk to me about specific details or whatever. But um it's really interesting because because pleasure has not been part of our terminology and our language, especially around women and the porn mm-hmm. The porn industry, I mean, it's changing a little bit now, but it's basically all about men's pleasure. 
you know? And well, yeah. And it's all fake anyways. So it's all fake anyways. Yeah. Right. It's like, literally I, ha- I have so many friends in that industry and they have told me some inner secrets of things that, that are actually happening, that there's a lot of, of women that have been stolen away from their homes that are on those porn. Wow. Uh, and there's also, they use a turkey baster and they put water inside the female's vagina and it look they make it look like it's look squirting like, right. and make it look like they're having an orgasm, but it's really them just pushing the water out. And so unfortunately, that's training both men and women who have never been taught about real life pleasure and sex right. to then go to the porn. And now they're learning about sex in the wrong way. And they're they're taking it then to their personal relationships. So if you're going to be using porn, please pull up ethical porn that will show right. you real life situations. If that's the way that you want to learn and you're more of a visual learner, I would highly recommend looking up ethical porn. It's it's the the best real life type of scenarios that you're going to find on the market right now. Yeah. And, and so all of these kids, I mean, because I've seen uh, research that says that kids are being exposed to this stuff at eight years old. Which yeah, is really probably young, sad. Well, probably younger. Probably younger. And it's really sad because they're not um psychologically or emotionally ready for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so developmentally, it's like I wonder how it's going to impact how they show up. It really up. depends. It really depends. If their parents have made sex a normal part of the conversation, they could have potentially already heard about it from a very young age, just learning about body parts from their parents Mm -hmm. so that if they did get exposed to it at seven or eight, they would have already had a healthy conversation around it. That's, that's my personal goal is helping parents to teach kids from a very young age, because even at two years old, your kids are playing with their, their, their private parts. They're pulling their diaper off. They're they're pulling their diapers off. They're touching themselves. And it's been proven by science that babies even masturbate inside the womb. Uh-huh. They, they show, they show a brain being turned on and stimulated and then relaxing again. So there's been a lot of proven, uh, things like that in the science world to show that pleasure was God's original intent behind the sexual experience. It's society and the church and different cultures that have put such a, a weird taboo and stigma around it. So yeah. my goal, of course, is to break those those stigmas so that we can get back to the original design of sex, which is love, pleasure, abundance, no shame, no guilt. And of course, if you have kids, you're going to have kids if you want if you want them. But it's going to be more. I love you. You love me. This let's act this out through lo- the lovemaking experience, and let's let's see how much pleasure we can bring to each other. How how much can we do in one hour? (laughs) How much can we do in a two hour experience? You know, (laughs) how much can we do in a two minute experiment? (laughs) (laughs) So how did you, how did you get interested in this Heather? In becoming a sex coach? Yeah. I mean, so what, okay. Because you didn't get much information um, and a lot of people, they don't get information and they still just live their whole life, not really getting in much information, you know? And so yeah. you go, you go through this like, uh, role, you know, of just kind of doing it cause you're supposed to, but you don't 
you know, you don't know your body, you don't know your partner's body, you're too afraid to ask questions. I mean, there's this whole, you know, sense of, of um, being closed down about it, you know, yeah. uh, lights off, literally right. and figuratively. Right. So how did right. you, how did you decide, like at one point in your, in your adult life, did you decide, I want to do this kind of work? Well, my husband and I, we've been married for almost 22 years. And there was a period of time when we were uh, experiencing no sex for a 12 year span. And going through that, me wanting the sex and my husband not wanting the sex and me trying to figure out, does he still love me? Does he still find me attractive after kids? And me thinking that it was me Mm -hmm. and being so up in my head trying to figure out what my problem was so right. that I can am I not am I not enough in. that he doesn't want me yeah and thinking thoughts like is he cheating is he really gay just trying to figure it out my brain was trying to figure out why could we go from having such amazing sex in the beginning to now being in this 12 year span and me feeling so freaking lonely and so depressed and having panic attacks all the time, having dreams that my husband was leaving me, cheating on me, waking up in hot sweats and just feeling so out of control in my life, yet trying to hold my shit all together on the front end, running a business, mm-hmm. going, showing up for my team, Uh, raising the kids, still being an amazing mom and showing up and still being a great wife and all of that, because I felt that that was still my calling as a Christian wife. (laughs) Yet inside, internally, I felt like I was dying. I literally felt like I was this caged butterfly trying to escape. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. It was just horrible. And so when Chuck and I figured out what was actually happening beneath the surface, which then took away the sex because I didn't understand what that was until we got really close to the 12 year spam. After we overcame that and we brought the sex back in and the intimacy was restored emotionally and mentally and and physically and spiritually and all, all the things I was like, man, I physically cannot let another woman go through what we did, what we experienced. And so because of that, I started to share my story, just sharing about how, you know, and this is way before I even decided to become a sex coach, way before I went back to school to learn more about sex and how to train people in sex Mm -hmm. and how to help couples and all that. I just wanted to share my story. And so I just started there and I said, hey, like, this is what's been going on. And when I opened up about my, my marriage, you should have seen the very first time that I said, man, uh, you know, getting married, I never thought, uh, I think I said something like, uh, I never thought after getting married that I would experience 12 years of sexlessness. I thought as a Christian wife, I would be having like the most, the most sex that anybody in the world, like more so than other people in the world. Right. Uh, I thought that that's, I thought that that's what marriage would bring to me. I never thought that marriage would equal no sex, something like that. And, um, and then I put a, like a picture of me crying or something. I forget. But anyway, mm-hmm. so that one post, this is like almost eight years ago now, that one post 
got over 200 comments and uh, also people messaging me saying, oh my God, I thought I was the only one Mm. going through a period of sexlessness. And I was like, I thought I was the only one too. I, I'd never had like a conversation with anybody else that ever admitted that they had no sex right. in a Christian marriage. So I made it my mission and I felt this calling inside myself. Like you uh-huh. have to talk about this, Heather. You have to normalize the conversation. You have to normalize the fact that the female wants sex and the man doesn't want it versus in society. It normally is like normalized that the man wants it and then the woman doesn't. So right. there's this whole other side of the females being the the higher sex drive that is not talked about. So you need to also talk about that. So when I started to talk about it, that is when I got so many people and they're like, what did you guys do to bring the sex back? And I'm like, oh my God, let me put this into a book, which I did. So I put mm-hmm. it into a book and then my book, uh, which is called Why Doesn't My Husband Want Me? That then turned into a course. (laughs) So then I wrote up, like I did this whole video-based course and I brought people into the program and then it turned into group coaching. And then that went to uh, one-on-one consultations uh, because not everyone was comfortable talking about sex in like a group format. And then from there, I just started getting calls from people at church (laughs) that they wanted me to talk at their marriage retreats. And it's just grown, you know, from there. So. Yeah, so that's about eight years now that that I've been helping people. Okay, so I want to know what happened in the 12-year period that you guys weren't having sex. What kind of conversations were you having about it or were you completely avoiding having conversations about it? Oh, no, I'm a talker girl. (laughs) I have no problem sharing my feelings with you, okay? (laughs) So... Because I wasn't getting it and my my love language especially is physical touch. And so I equate love making with you're in love with me. Like uh-huh. this is the way that I feel that you're giving me love and that I feel love from you when we're having the physical intimacy. And I've, I've always been like that from a very young age, mm-hmm. uh, ever since I lost my virginity, which I think was at 17. So Anytime I was in a relationship with somebody and we went there and we had sex, to me, I felt like we were now in a committed relationship and I felt like you loved me more. Right. So when that was taken off of the table, that was my first question to my husband. I was like, do you not love me anymore? Have you fallen out of love with me? And he said, no, I love you still. And then I said, do you still find me attractive? And he said, yes, I still find you attractive. So then I said, why are we not having sex then? And all he would say is, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry. I couldn't get anything more from him. For 12 12 years. years. For 12 years. I couldn't get anything more. In the 12th year, I said, I'm leaving you if we don't get help. And so then he said, okay. I'm open to counseling. I don't want you to to leave. I don't want to get divorced. So we went. I mean, to because counseling. because because well, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, is he is he just sleeping with somebody else and he feels yeah. guilty all, and all doesn't want to come to you, right? Yeah. Or like, are you secretly gay? Was what was um, was something that I was curious about too. Uh-huh. And, and I asked him, 
you know, no judgment, but like, do you secretly yeah. harbor feelings for other men? I mean, maybe uh-huh. that's, maybe that's what really gets your juices going. I don't know. Right. And he said, and he said, no, you know, not cheating, not attracting men. Uh, I don't know what it is. So we went was to he counseling. Depressed? Was he depressed? He hides all his feelings. So mm-hmm. I, it's possible he was depressed. I'm not really sure. If if he was, I couldn't outwardly tell. He uh-huh. has the kind of face where you can't tell the emotion. Uh-huh. So, and I'm an empath, and normally I'm pretty good with picking up on emotions. But because his, it's just the same face all the time when he's happy, sad, whatever. So I had no idea. Uh-huh. Uh, but when we did go to counseling, the counselor uh, did ask us several questions about what happened before the sex stop. And right. a big part of what was happening in our in our marriage was we were trying to get pregnant together and we had two miscarriages and oh, both sorry. of those miscarriages got all the way up to five months. So very oh, developed, oh, you know, by that. Time. So sorry. Thank you. So very traumatic for both of us. Yeah. Uh, and and in counseling, he said, I didn't want her to get pregnant again. You know, the fear he was of afraid. the loss. And watching all the pain that she went through. Uh-huh. And of course, he didn't admit it out loud, but I know that men go through pain and, and loss as well when they lose, you know, a baby like that. So, but, did, did, that, but you guys never talked about the grief that you were going through? No. Mm-mm. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting as a born again Christian. I don't know what faith you grew up in or if you grew up in faith, but uh, born again Christians, they have a lot of stigmas around a lot of different things. So, for the faith people of faith like this it's like pray about it give it to god if you still have a problem that means you're not praying hard enough and you're not mm-hmm. trusting hard enough and you're not having enough faith so as opposed to perhaps you should get some other kind of support <laughs> yeah like they don't they don't um they don't recommend to you mental health care they they recommend going and reading the Bible more and, and right. praying more and talking to a pastor or a pastor's wife, and then they would pray with you. Right. But they don't talk about going to an outside mental health therapist. Although, although when we were in our 12th year and I did go to our pastor on the side and I told him what was happening he said that he he understood that he wasn't uh, comfortable himself leading marriage counseling, and he gave us a Christian counselor to to go to. Mm-hmm. So when we went, the the counselor, while we were able to figure out the the pattern that that brought up the sex to stop, and we we figured that it was some of these traumas and. We hadn't healed from them. Uh, also, what came up is uh, both of our upbringing came up and some of our childhood stuff. So we understood the why that, that it stopped. Mm-hmm. But our counselor never gave us the tools on how to bring the sex back in. Right. So while it was helpful to understand about what made it stop, we never got to this place of how to, how to actually bring the sexual connection 
and the emotional connection back. So even though we went there for a couple of months, we still, every single time we left the appointment, we were like waiting for him to give us the answers on, mm. on how to bring the sex back. And right. he never did. After a couple of months, we never, we never got there. He, he just wanted to focus on the past. So I just had to start figuring little stuff out myself. And I would try this. If that didn't work, I would try this. And then Chuck would try this. And, and so we were just experimenting all the time. <laughs> And then we finally figured out uh, a couple of things that worked that that established the emotional bonds again right. and right. the trust again. Uh, and then we were able to to figure out how to to release uh, some of these walls that we had put up of protectiveness yeah. Yeah. and and around our heart and our soul. And so they slowly started to come down. We we started to tear them down, you know. Uh, and the openness was there again. And then we started to feel that, that connection and the attraction and the turning on from each other again. And then we, we had a, a plan on how to move forward yeah. in that. I, I feel like Heather, that you met, you mentioned so many things that I think are vital to uh, a sexual connection maybe after time, like when you first meet somebody, you know, you got the adrenaline and the dopamine and, and all the sparks are flying and all that stuff. So it's really easy to, to kind of fall in, even though you don't have those foundational pieces of safety, security, trust, openness, vulnerability. Um, <clears throat> but then when you're with somebody for a long amount of time, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, then it, you have that you know, sort of comfort factor. And so it's, um, so you don't have all the chemical stuff going on, right? And so you have to really take care of that container. And if you guys had these walls built up around you because of the grief, because of his, his inability to open up to you, you know, I mean, he could have said year one, I'm really afraid you're going to get pregnant and we're going to lose another baby. And I can't deal with that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm so sad that we lost these two children. It's an expression of our love, you know, and how do we overcome that kind of grief? Because you don't, you don't like get over that, right? You just figure out a way to get through that. But if both of you are dealing with it separately and you're just thinking these things in your head <clears throat> or feeling these things, but we're not really knowing how to express them uh, because really for me and probably for you, you can say yes or no, really sex is about that, that feeling of connection. And so when you're feeling disconnected, when you're not feeling safe, when you're not feeling open and trusting, it's really hard to open yourself up because really sex is the place where you're most physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually naked. Yeah. Right? I feel like it's the glue. I feel mm -hmm. like sex is the glue to the relationship. And if that is taken off of the table, the relationship very quickly falls apart. Mm -hmm. But it can, it can go in the reverse as well, right? Like you could have great sex, but no relationship. That's outside be true. of the bedroom. Right. Yeah. You could, you could have sex with no emotional or soul connection. Connection. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So that could be very dissatisfying type of sex where maybe 
you're not feeling pleasure. You're not, you're not having orgasms, even though you're coming together with your husband all the time. So yeah, uh-huh. it could go either way for sure. And plus, plus, I don't know if you've experienced this with a lot of women, but a lot of women rarely have orgasms or maybe have never had an orgasm. Yep. Yeah. That, that's primary. My clients, <laughs> uh, unfortunately is especially with the Christian community because it's so taboo and so many different situations with relationships. But sometimes there's a couple that had sex before they got married and they felt a lot of guilt and shame over that. So when they mm-hmm. finally got married, they're still feeling that guilt and shame and they don't even know that that's really what it's called. They uh-huh. just know they can't find pleasure and they don't want sex with their own husband or wife. It's, it's something they don't understand. Uh-huh. So then they'll come to me and they'll ask, what's happening? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's one scenario. Uh, the other scenario is that because the sex conversation is so uncomfortable with family members and, and the church, it's not talked about in premarital. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you're left not knowing really what you're doing and you don't really know how to communicate your needs. And so you're having sex abstractly, hoping that it's bringing pleasure, but you're not talking about if it's bringing pleasure. So you, you could be faking it the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and there's which a lot happens of a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of statistics around Christian marriages. Over 65 percent end in divorce, and over 85 percent have never had an orgasm, even though they've had children and grandchildren. So a lot of my you mean clients, the, the women, the women, not yes, the men. The women. I mean, well, no, even even the men. I mean, the men are ejaculating, obviously, but uh, they might not be having full pleasure themselves. You know, uh-huh. so uh, a lot of people come to me in their fifties and sixties and even seventies. And they're having their first orgasm with me after working together. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, but it also, (laughs) they're like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) like, this is what it really feels like. So yeah, it's amazing to, to uncover those blocks that are getting in the way of, of pleasure. But at the same time, you really wish and feel bad, you know, for them that they had to go their entire existence until their sixties not experiencing a real orgasm. Let me, let me ask you this because you could have an orgasm and still not feel the connection. Yes. With, no? Are you talking about by yourself or no, with, with your partner, partner, with your partner? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because I think a lot of times, uh, well, especially for the guys, it's like the orgasm is the thing, right? I mean, it's the goal. That's the goal. And for women, because we take so much longer, usually, usually, I mean, I, I, I say like men are more like microwaves and women are more like slow cookers. <laughs> and so men should approach women in that, you know, sort of with that mentality, like it's going to take a lot longer. So, um, so how can I, you know, how can I ensure that she has a pleasurable experience whether or not she has an orgasm, because maybe she won't. Um, and you, I mean, usually the guy does usually. Uh, and so how do you, so how do you talk about the whole experience of the orgasms, not the goal? It's the pleasure and the connection that you co-create together. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time I'll respond to your question. Most of the time when working with couples, if there's not an emotional and mental and spiritual connection happening during the lovemaking process for the people that I've worked with, mm-hmm. there's no orgasm. Yeah. 
So for females, I know understanding females and their psyche and how our DNA has been created by God himself, that we need to be stimulated mentally. So that's intellectually. We need to be stimulated emotionally and spiritually in order for us to have the highest amounts of pleasure with our partner. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if a person is really having an orgasm, if there's no emotional connection, Connection. I, I have not worked with anybody yet in the eight years where that has been a thing. Now, maybe if they're by themselves, self-pleasuring, they can bring themselves to that orgasm and it's just a physical orgasm and their partner's Mm -hmm. nowhere around. Mm -hmm. So I have talked to a woman that experienced an orgasm that way where it's just physical, but with their partners, I have not actually experienced that. Or could you have men that have uh, an orgasm and feel no connection. I mean, I'm sure that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, for men, it's interesting because men don't require a lot to uh, get hard or to ejaculate. So, mm-hmm. like, two, you know, that was they, my two minute joke. <laughs> yeah, they 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 really don't. They don't really um, and they have a harder time holding back the ejaculation. So when they feel it, they're just going to release it, Mm -hmm. which could be 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, just depending on if they've trained themselves on how to extend their own pleasure, Mm -hmm. which a man can do. But most men, because the sex conversation is not even had with them in their own house, it's the 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 sex talk is let's see how many women that you can bag Bang. baby you yeah. know right. and um and and how many people you can put your seed in you know that's that's really uh the the man talk that that most men get it's not really make love uh, and multiply yeah it's it's not really about learning that their orgasm can be separated from ejaculation <clears throat> so mm-hmm. most men don't have that conversation mm-hmm. from their parents Uh, And so, you know, someone like me comes along and I'm helping them, you know, for the wife and the man that are both sitting in front of me. And when I start asking a bunch of questions about their pleasure experience, the man doesn't even know that he can separate his orgasm Mm -hmm. from his ejaculation. He just assumes that when he's ejaculating, that that is his orgasm, not understanding that you can, you can separate it to, to last longer so that. Hey, let's let the female catch up. Right. <laughs> like if you really right. want, if you really want to orgasm together, <clears throat> you need to learn how to keep your penis hard for as long as possible. <laughs> uh, Which, by so the way, that, that doesn't happen up. that often. No, Both but together it, it simultaneously. Done. I mean, it can be done. It, it, I'm it, saying it can, it's it not, can be done. It's not it can be done. Common. It's not it's that not common. common. It's not common, but you can train it. You can train your both parties can train it to to happen. Uh, but it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of freaking work. Uh, a lot of physical strain happens uh, because you have to pull back on, uh, you know, releasing the ejaculation when you want. Uh, so it's 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 an interesting process. But uh, once it happens and the man has trained himself, oh, my God, when he can last longer in bed, then his female is given time to not only uh, orgasm once, but now, hey, like, let's see how many times we can last 
I thought I had like two, three, four, five, six, seven orgasms in a, in a row, uh, because you know, you're, you're, you're lasting longer in bed and, and, and if you can't last longer in bed, you're doing other things to bring pleasure to the female. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can really become a really fun, adventurous type of experience, uh, with, with your female partners. It's, it can be a lot of fun. If you're willing to drop your ego, <laughs> because I think yeah. that, that I think that comes into play a lot. It's like, well, I can make her or if I can't make her or for her, you know, if I'm not having an orgasm, something must be the matter with me. And so then you get all this self-judgment, which is another layer of why it doesn't happen. <laughs> why yeah. you feel badly, why you feel disconnected, why you would avoid having a conversation, why you would have, you know, avoid having sex. So yep. what do you, what do you want to teach? Like, what do you want your sons to know? Well, I definitely want my son. Well, they already know. Cause I've had, I've had this talk with them, <laughs> but I would like for you, whoever's listening <laughs> to have a conversation with your kids and your grandkids uh, about sexuality and learning, you know, about your own sexuality and what turns you on. And honestly, even before you have that talk with your kids and grandkids, you really have to learn how to get comfortable with this talk yourself and, and discovering your own body and spending time with your own body, having a self-care practice, having right. a self-pleasure practice where you're really tapping in and seeing what turns you on, seeing you know what brings you to full climax, uh, seeing how many times in a row that you can climax just by yourself. Uh, what what kind of uh, oils do you like? What kind of smells do you like? What kind of music do you like playing? What kind of sounds do you like to be happening? What what do you like to visually see that that turns you on? So this is a lot of work that each person individually needs to do, the man and woman. And then when we come or together, individually, we actually, yeah. And then when we come together, we can map out couples, you know, time where we can see, hey, like this is what works for me. Let's see what it feels like when your hand goes there. Or let's see what it feels like when a toy goes there or, you know, that kind of thing. So really, it's just getting comfortable with yourself. Then you can have the sex talk with your with your kids uh, and you can let them know like, hey, this is all individualized. You know, this is what works for me, but this might not work for you. So try and, and figure out what you like. And then when you get into a relationship, you'll you'll have a better chance of you know, getting what you need in the bedroom because you've learned how to communicate that to your your partner. Well, and and just because it works for me in this moment doesn't mean that two minutes from now it's going to still feel good. Which I yeah, think or five or five years from now, <laughs> five years or five years from now, or whenever it's like you know this is. Uh, I mean, I think part of the process is the exploration because whatever's going on in your life outside the bedroom always will impact what's happening inside the bedroom. So from mm-hmm. day to day, we're dealing with different stressors, different responsibilities, different obligations, different, you know, sources of frustration or whatever emotionally is going on for us. It's like if there was some way to leave all that stuff before you close the door, you know, if you can try to get out of your head maybe and more into your body and into your heart and mm-hmm. really focus on the connection that you're creating with your partner mm-hmm. um, 
and using that as the litmus test, like how, you know, what do we want to create? And I love that you were talking about the different smells and sights and, you know, like using all of your senses, that it's a full body, full sensory process. Whereas I think so many times um, it's, it's minimalized. You know, it's minimalized. Yeah. I mean, I, I just keep thinking like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Right. <laughs> that it's like, you're not care. You're not taking any care or consideration for how you're showing up or the energy that you're giving to your partner. It's just like, let's just get this done and over with because it's obligatory, you know, as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, but also sometimes I think people think that that's how sex is supposed to be. What? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, they don't know any different. They haven't uh-huh. been shown by anybody in their adult community how real lovemaking looks. What what type of what type of pleasure you can actually have when you take more time? Uh-huh. So it, I think that we we learn we're an instant gratification society, is that why? Yeah, well, no, I just think like okay, for instance, I lost my virginity at 17, okay? When I had sex with my boyfriend, I, we just stopped when he was done. And now I didn't, I didn't know any better. No one had told me that I could keep going. No one had told me, Hey, like, just because he's done that, that doesn't mean that we can still lay here naked and then he could spend some time on me or I can spend some time on myself while he watches. Like no one, no one taught us that kind of stuff. We were just taught when the guy's done, then the sex is done done. and and, and yeah, hopefully you had pleasure. Yeah. So, and I think because no one has had these conversations with, what real lovemaking uh, could be, your mind doesn't know any any better. So you're not even understanding that there's more to be had. And it's, it's, it's nothing of the person's fault. It's just we haven't been trained until, until you run across someone like myself or someone else that talks about, you know, things like this. And you're like, right. oh, my God, wow, I never, I never knew that any of this was possible for me. And so now my mind's open to, wow, let me go home and actually see uh, what we can do, mm-hmm. you know, to each other and for each other. <laughs> and let's right. just see how, how how much pleasure we can bring into our, our lovemaking experience. Well, I think it's I think it's pleasure and creativity and a sense of consideration and energy it's, it's funny. It's this paradox of like when you're in your own pleasure, you kind of have to be selfish in order to like take your mind out of it. Right. It's like you, you're just sort of focusing on your own pleasure. And so it's the paradox of like, I'm being in my own pleasure and we're each going to have a turn or we're taking turns. And it's kind of this ebb and flow until Mm -hmm. both of us feel like satiated. Yeah, exactly. Satisfied, fully satisfied. That's kind of like um, sitting down at a, you know, a gourmet table with all the things and you say, oh, maybe I'll choose a little of that. And maybe I'll have a little of that. And, oh, I tried this, but I don't really like that. But maybe tomorrow I might like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so how can you how can you drop kind of all judgment and expectations of Mm -hmm. what you think it should be? Yeah. Well, we all come with expectations into relationships in in the bedroom or out of the bedroom. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, so really just understanding that we all come with those expectations 
whether it's from society, church, culture, our mom, dad, whoever. Right, right. And understanding that our partner also has a set of their own expectations and really just opening up and sharing what those are. Mm -hmm. This this type of conversation should happen way before marriage. This is like... Way before you have sex, actually. I've gone on on a couple of dates with you and now I'm kind of feeling like we might want to have, you know, that sex talk. But let's even see where our minds are around it. Uh, and if it's something that we don't, don't agree on, we're probably going to be mismatched and we shouldn't even go there anyway. Uh-huh. But it's really interesting because most people are more willing to jump into bed and have sex rather than to have any of these conversations. Because people yeah. say the conversations <laughs> are more difficult, right? The conversations yeah. are more challenging because it, because it, you really have to open up. And if you just have sex, you don't, you, you know, you don't have to say a word. You can just be completely yep. closed off and disconnected, but still do the physical act. But the mm-hmm. beautiful thing, I think, and I'm sure you've experienced, I mean, I've experienced too in my own marriage, even though I got divorced. But the beautiful thing is that when you have all of these different pieces of I feel at one with you. It's not just, it's not just, you know, oh, well, he had an orgasm or she had an orgasm. It's like, I feel really, really connected to you, mind, body, heart, and soul. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like the pinnacle of amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I call, I call that a soulgasm. That's like the the highest, highest level of pleasure when you feel completely imprinted on each other's souls and you can experience God in that moment. You can feel God's presence and you can feel the angels and God cheering you on. And it just becomes such an amazing (laughs) thing. And like, you could, you could see purple. You you could literally take, like have like an out of body uh, experience, you know, Uh Uh, when, when you're both feeling like that, that soul connection, that's, that's really where it's at, but it does require both parties to be open and, and vulnerable. Yeah. And you have to keep obviously judgment out of, out of the bedroom. Right. And that, that sense of oneness, I feel like it's not just oneness with your partner. It's oneness with your God creator source. It's oneness with the universe. And you, Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I don't remember who said that, but I've experienced this. Like when I've had these kind of soul gasms, um, that you can see both the child in your partner and the crone in your partner. It's like you see all aspects of them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It's really like you really see deep into their soul. Yeah. I, I feel it. I feel mm-hmm. it more than I see it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's for me, that's part of seeing is, is that mm-hmm. feeling. Cause I'm, so I'm empathic as well. So how mm-hmm. do you, I mean, how do you help people? Because I'm sure when they come to you, uh, many of them have kind of given up hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, most of them have. They, they come to me as a last resort most of the uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Could you imagine if people started going to you or me or, you know, whoever does this kind of work to help people um, as a first resort instead of waiting 12 years? <laughs> Yes, that, that, that's the goal, girlfriend. <laughs> that, that is the goal. That is the goal. 
that we have to we have to take that sense of uh, judgment or shame like, oh, if I'm asking for help or asking for support, that there's something the matter with me, that that I'm not enough, as opposed to if you broke your leg and didn't go to the doctor, people would think you're an idiot, right? No, exactly. This is just another form of going to the doctor. So if, Mm -hmm. if your marriage is broken, you could hire someone like, like myself or Don, and we can give you the tools on how to fix it. And, and what's nice working with a coach, unlike a therapist is you'll have more of a one-on-one experience every day versus just once a week. So that, that's what I love about the, the coaching experience is that it's more of a hands-on Right. which means that the results happen a lot faster. Right. And there's a sense of accountability. There's a sense of, um, you know, I feel like there's an openness, you know, that, that our job is to create a safe container for you to be able to ask anything with no judgment, mm-hmm. right? So all the things that maybe you've been thinking about, that you've been concerned about, that you've been wondering about, it's like you ask, and it's not necessarily for us to provide the answers, but it's for us to ask the questions so that you can come to your own conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what a gift you're giving to the world, Heather. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we need to have, I mean, people need to have more of these conversations. Like, I hope that we help shift the paradigm for our kids and their kids and their kids. You know, so that we are more open and honest and transparent, that we don't feel this sense of self-judgment or shame or whatever. It's like, this is part of our human experience. So let's try to make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. Really, it's it's bringing a sense of freedom into our spirits. Yeah. So when you can unlock and unleash, you really do step into freedom, which is what God wants for us anyway. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it really is a beautiful experience. Well, and it's feeling fully free and also Mm -hmm. fully connected with your partner. Right. Which is the ultimate paradox, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. So, okay. You're, I know your, your battery's running low. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you the last question that I always ask my guests is how do you define real love? Because this is Ooh. what we're talking about. You know what? It's so funny. I just heard the, um, I don't remember if that was White Snake or some some song back in the 80s. Do you remember that one? It's like, real love, won't somebody tell me? Do you remember that? Yeah. And like the guy was just like, I really want to experience what real love is. Can somebody please t- show me, tell me? It, it's mm. it's the cry of everybody, Don. Yes. It is the cry of everyone. And I believe the reason why we want it so bad is because when we do have it and we're in the experience of it, it's the most, the most basic way of humans feeling that magic in the world. Mm-hmm. And we're just, we're so attracted to it. We, we all want it. And because we want it, that means that we deserve it. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So are you saying that too about your pleasure? If you want it, then you deserve it. Of course. Yeah. It all goes together. Mm. Love is, is so many different facets. It's the, the love relationship that you have with your, your own self. So the relationship you have with how much you love your own self, 
It's the relationship you have with your partner, romantic. Uh, it's, it's relationships that you have with your friends. It's the relationship you have with your kids and your parents and your relationship with God. I mean, it all, it's all from, you know, the basis of love. And for me, the, the, the deepest form of love is unconditional. And that comes from God himself. The definition of God is love. And so if God's love is unconditional, that's, that is the goal when we're in these romantic relationships is to honor God with the, the way that he loves us. It's up to us now to turn around and love our partners in the best way that we can unconditionally. Wow. This is powerful, Heather. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> All right. How do people get in touch with you, work with you, find out more about your work, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Yeah, just go to sexcoachheather.com. You can book a free 30-minute session, and you can also book me for your next event. Mm. Speaking, speaking, you mean? Yes. Or, or like if you have a marriage conference Any, anything, or anything. I, yes, anything. I, I work, um, I've done singles retreats. I've done uh, speaking engagements for marriage retreats, uh, female summits, how to step into female empowerment. So I get hired a lot uh, for those types of events. Uh, and then I recently, just in the last couple of months, have been talking uh, more on the corporate level. And so uh, companies are bringing me in. Yes, companies are bringing me in to talk about uh, attraction in the workplace. Oh, interesting. Wow. Wow. Yep. You're, you, uh, yeah, you're a beautiful, you're a beautiful woman, soul, heart. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful, um, you know, because I love having these conversations and I think that everybody needs to talk about this. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's the biggest taboo, you know, like sex, religion, money. We don't want to talk. Mm -hmm. We don't want to talk. So I feel like having these conversations normalizes it for everyone. Yeah. So that we feel more comfortable. It's like, if I give my permi myself permission to talk about this, then I also give you permission to talk about this. And we can all, exactly. like, cause we're all fumbling through this to get, you know, we're all fumbling through it anyways. And so mm -hmm. the, the more open and honest you are and the more transparent and vulnerable you are, it's like, oh, I can, I can do that too. I, I yeah, know, exactly. I'm okay. I'm okay with being not okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, listeners, I'm sure you will have learned so much. So please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast, share with anybody you might feel, um, would benefit from this. Uh, please give us a five-star review and, and you can send me messages about what you want to hear more of. I'm always open to, you know, to suggestions about more conversations that you'd like to, to hear about. Um, but you can find me on all the social channels, Instagram, The Awakening with Dawn, LinkedIn, Dawn Richard, R-I-S-H-A-R-D, Facebook, you know, all the, all the things. <laughs> um, but every day, I mean, we're, we're trying to normalize all of our, our human, you know, issues, challenges and struggles, uh, to give hope so that people know that no matter what they're going through or no matter what they've been through, that they are worthy of love because that's what we are all, you know, we're all wanting to be loved and to love. So um, every day, wake up to more and more real love. 
So thank you so much, Heather, for being here with you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.